0: Welcome to Business Connection, Zoom Edition. I'm Liz Spencer. I'm joined today by Dr. Lawrence Kakmar and Shannon Keith, Hello. who is the practice administrator and they're with the Center for Primary Care and Sports Medicine. Welcome. Thank you for being Thank here. You for having us. Thank you for having us. It's a very busy time for you. Are you all still seeing patients?
1: Uh, yes, we are. Um, you know, This is a very unusual time that we're in right now with this pandemic and so that really that's Really, that's all that's getting pressed most of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really important is there's a lot of other things going on, um, from other infections to even other medical problems, to from abdominal pain, gallbladders, heart attacks, strokes. So my big fear is that uh, so many people will be missed um, worrying about COVID when, when there's other issues that need to be addressed. What do you think, Shannon?
2: Yes, yeah, so I really think that that's a big push for us is we're not doing telemedicine simply for the fact that we want to see you in the office so we can properly assess, and engage what's actually going on. And I think really to be a good administer, uh, administrator during a pandemic, you really have to simultaneously run like nothing else is going along alongside with the pandemic. And you can't stop what you're doing and what you normally would do just in case or for pandemic. And that's kind of how we're looking at things are you testing for the COVID-19
0: virus
1: we are um and that's kind of go along with your the the first question that we're seeing patients and and you have to say that the COVID-19 is part of the differential diagnosis with whoever you're seeing so we're not excluding COVID um every person you got to kind of think how can it manifest how can it present so when it's in a differential diagnosis you have to you have to test and um we made the decision to start testing about three weeks ago, it, you know, we saw this pandemic coming, we saw we had to serve the community and serve my patients. Um, so we we found ways to test and that was a real problem early on because just, there just was no testing being done. What do you think, Shannon?
2: Yes, and I think that's exactly what we tried to do. And I think it's so important that we have independent Practices like we have because we are able to think outside the box. We were able to take this pandemic and say, how can we help our community? And how can we be a place they can come not only for, for testing, but to call and just get reassurance or even screening? And we've screened some patients multiple times just because, you know, there is a lot of anxiety with this. So I think right away we dove into it and we wanted to be a good resource for our community during this time more than ever.
1: And to kind of follow up on that question, are we testing? Um, what we are doing is we screen people um, if they're within a the differential, if you're sick or you're calling in for the COVID testing, we screen on the phone. And if you meet criteria, we'll, um, we, we do the testing and, and just about all the testing has been done out in the parking lot um, to keep it outside the building, mm-hmm. keep it safe for staff patients um, and that's uh, that's how we kind of got the testing going on in the office. Um,
0: how how is your testing different? I mean, it seems like you're able so, to test and nobody else is able to test. How
1: well, when test- this whole thing started, we were we were told about test kits, and we were also told that um, yeah, you can only be testing at certain places. And so, you know, Shannon and I, you know, we've kind of been working after seven days a week, twenty four seven. So for the past four to six weeks, just, right. you know, even on weekends, we're here doing stuff. Um, so we kind of set it up with our commercial lab that we could do testing. And and Shannon and I were both frustrated in that the traditional test, you have to wait, you know, usually five to seven days to get results. And that's precious time when you're dealing with sick people. Mm-hmm. Um, It could it really be life or death. And so, you know, uh, however you want to call it, we came across a, a lab that has... um Uh, approached us and we've been using them and we're able to get uh, results in 24 hours now
2: there's such a misunderstanding when it comes to testing. Really, there's only two pathways to receive COVID testing. And one of them is through the state, which I know a lot of people are frustrated with that because there is a limitation on it through the Illinois Department of Health. And really you have to meet criteria and receive an authorization Mm -hmm. code to even get tested through the state. And so it's very important that clinics that have the ability to use commercial labs really use them because this is kind of your time to shine because we have this ability through a commercial lab. So we don't need authorization from the the Illinois Department of Health. We can do our testing based upon our own um, screening tool that we do use kind of based upon the CDC recommendations. And so we're able to do that, get next day results. And we don't have that, that period of five to seven days um, where we really want to, to quickly get results, so we can keep you out of the hospital, is, is basically our aim, as it is with every other disease.
0: Well, that kind of, and that's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful news. And so that goes to my my question of, um, how are you handling positives? What type of intervention are you doing to keep us out of the hospital?
1: You know, when this started, it was just, it was scary times. There was there was this is a new disease, a new virus, um, and so we're we're all kind of looking at it a little differently, but. Mm-hmm. We, Shannon and I, right what we put together, and we quickly came together with a, a, a an approach or, or an algorithm to treat it like really any other disease. You know, every disease in this country, we we screen early, we test early, and we treat early, um, and that's really the best outcomes. And that's how we've kind of come to that what we're doing right now with the testing, and and really we have the best op- We really have great outcomes because we're intervening early, mm-hmm. and. So, what happens when we get a test result that's positive? Um, we, we hope it's negative, but if it's if it's positive, after the screenings done and the results come back. And like Shannon said and I said earlier, we get we what's really relieving to people is that we know the next day. there's so much anxiety associated. Uh, they're not, families aren't sitting at home scared. Uh, people aren't sitting at home by themselves scared, you know or um, we're, and we also able to keep them out of the hospital if the labs uh, come back positive. And what we do is we reach out to them the next day and we we follow the uh, the dual drug treatment protocol that um that's been out there discussed so much shannon what do you think
2: um right so what it could look like for you as a patient Mm -hmm. would be you call we do our screening tool with you say yes we should test you We will do that testing more more than likely in the parking lot, and your car, Mm -hmm. and then we call you. We usually get results um, the following evening, so between usually about 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. is when we get results, and we get these seven days a week, so even if you're tested over the weekend, we will still call you, even if it's Saturday or Sunday, and then at that point, we will go ahead and intervene and start treatment with the dual drug therapy, and we've really seen um, 100% turnaround in symptoms in two to three days.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for taking the initiative and, and and really helping us through this time period. Um and Shannon, I think you kinda of covered this, but for people watching this, what's if they think I, I need to get tested or are I fearful of I I have this, what's their next move? What should they be doing?
2: So really your next move is gonna be you're gonna call us. So you're gonna give our office a call. Um, During normal business hours, you can just call our our phone number, 630-375-1625. And there's actually an option on there for screening and it's option three and it will go to a voicemail. And at that point, we will call you back and do a screening with you over the phone. You can also book on our website uh, www.cpcsm.com and do a book uh, appointment online. And there you can just put in your reason for a visit. If you want a COVID screening, and that's the best way to really get a hold of us. Of course, you can always call the office and speak with the receptionist, and she'll get you right through. I know it's very you know people have a lot of anxiety. You want to hurry and talk to somebody. So I would definitely just call us. We're here, even if it's just to counsel you and help you know that you may or may not have it. Um, Just because you're exposed doesn't mean you automatically have it. So I think that's an important thing to know too.
0: Doctor, any final thoughts that we need to keep in mind during this this pandemic?
1: Well, yeah, just the, the big push from our end, which makes us different from other facilities is that we're, we're trying to treat this early and keep people out of the hospital. I mean, you, you see these horrible pictures on TV mm-hmm. um, and people need to know that's not how every COVID case goes. 90% of the, the cases are mild and a lot of people just have cold symptoms and they'll, will easily get through it. The, 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 the trouble is that we don't know which ones are mild and which ones are going to be aggressive. So there's that 10% that we want to try to prevent from happening. And once you get in the hospital and people start talking about ventilators and it's scary and, and bad things and people right. are going to die you know, no matter what we do sometimes. So the, the best thing that I, what I'm really excited about what we're doing is that we're, we're intervening, keeping people out of the hospital, rapid turnaround. We've seen some really sick people and had, have had great results. And, um, you know, actually I, I'm, we're treating this like any other disease at this point. And that's what gives me, you know, we can approach this in a relaxed fashion. Yes. You have to follow the recommendations and show social distancing and you know, I'm not throwing caution to the wind. However, It's good to know that whatever you're fighting, there's a there's a a treatment for it and you can pull people through this. Um, And Shannon brought this up too. there. We're doing a ton of counseling for people, too. There's so much anxiety attached to this. Um, People are afraid to leave their house. They're afraid to go get their medicines at a pharmacy if they won't deliver it, groceries. And and we're trying to bring some people peace of mind that, you know, there's hope that if you get this, it doesn't mean that it could be the end of your life and that, you know, there there's there's light at the end of the tunnel.
0: That's wonderful. Well, we so appreciate uh, your practice stepping up and doing this vital work for us and for you all to keep going and, and see patients. I mean, that's, know, yeah, it's a big step for you. So thank you so much for joining me on Business Connection and telling me all about it. We wish you good health and, and I know that you'll be serving the community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. joined today by Brad Wilson of the Naperville Park District. Brad, welcome.
3: Thank you, thank you for having me.
0: Um, I really appreciate you taking time out. I think we're all curious about the current, the current conditions and how is this reshaping the Park District?
3: Yeah, well, with the Park District, uh, our overall mission remains the same, uh, promoting healthy lives, healthy minds, a healthy community. Uh, just the way in which we go about uh, delivering that to the community has had to change during this crisis. Uh, Moving from a lot of physical interactions where community members would take part in programs at a facility or at one of our park locations, we've had to move to more of the virtual experiences. And that's something we've been building upon with our neighbor Parks to You website uh, that has gone live. We have a number of opportunities that are out there for residents to enjoy. Uh, A mix of different activities for all different ages. And that's something that we continue to see that uh, that we're going to grow, not only as we work through this crisis, but uh, even moving into the future.
0: I think we all have um, embraced the idea of virtual fitness or, or joining virtually for some type of activity. So I think that will go forward because it's a great opportunity if we're traveling to keep the park district's programs with us or something like that. What has that's been the it. biggest challenge for you during this time period?
3: Well, one of our, our biggest challenges has been encouraging residents in the community to continue to to promote their, their physical health by enjoying the outdoors, visiting our parks, but doing it in a way that practices social distancing guidelines. Um, the, the requirements of not gathering in large groups, uh, not taking part in any type of organized activities that are out within the parks. Um, we've seen some of that happen uh, within the parks uh, over the past month or so, and that's something that our park police, uh, as well as our staff have been working to, uh, to try to combat Um, But we really need everyone's help with that, and especially we need parents to uh, really speak with their children and and let them know about the importance of social distancing, what that means, and encouraging them to to not gather with friends at this time to to practice those same social distancing requirements that we're all trying to do.
0: Awesome. It's it's tough. I, I so appreciate the many parks and trails that the Park District has to offer, especially during this time but it it is hard not to want to gather or stop if you see somebody walking or whizzing by you on a bike to say hello, so it's a challenge. How do you see the future of the park district being shaped by this?
3: Well, our role as a a central contributor uh, and collaborator to to alleviating problems within the community is going to continue. Um, A big part of what we do is supporting uh, individuals uh, physical health as well as their mental health and a lot of that has been done through uh, those physical types of programs uh, being involved in the programs the events the facilities that we have available to the community um, we see that as, as continuing to be a main focus and I think right now uh, more than ever the importance of parks and having outdoor space and trails available to the community uh, is more apparent now than than ever and, and that will continue to be a focus um, but as I mentioned before, moving to more of the uh, virtual experiences as well, and encouraging social interactions uh, among residents, not only through the programs and events and facilities that we continue to provide, but through those virtual opportunities, that's something that we're going to continue to to grow, so that uh, residents have a choice and 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 uh, hopefully can expand some of their their interests that they that they have.
0: Well, and. and- I think that's super. Um, it brings me, you know, as we look ahead um, to the busy summer season, you know, I'm wondering what the park district is going to do once the social distancing is relaxed. I mean, we're all looking forward to that. How are you going to handle that?
3: Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that as well. Uh, we're certainly monitoring uh, the, the various guidelines and restrictions that uh, the, the government, as well as uh, public health organizations are, are providing to organizations. Uh, And that's something we'll continue to do. But we are looking ahead to to summer. Um, We know that summer is an important season. A lot of fun things happen during the summer. And we want to be able to provide as much as we can. Uh, Centennial Beach, kind of that staple facility Mm -hmm. within uh, Naperville, that's something that, uh, you know, we're still completing preparations to be able to open Centennial Beach. Um, However, uh, we are actually pushing back the the timeline for uh, being able to prep that as well as open it. Normally it opens Memorial Day weekend. We're going to look to open it uh, Father's Day weekend, uh, so long as the guidelines allow us to do that. We're also looking at some of our larger programs during the summer. Uh, Our day camp programs are very popular and looking to see what can we do as far as the structure of those programs to maybe change it up to where there's smaller group sizes. How can we practice even social distancing within some of those programs, uh, lessen some of the physical interaction that, that take place there, field trips. So our staff is working hard right now looking at our summer activities to see what we can change. Uh, We're looking at bringing new opportunities. One of the unfortunate uh, results of this spring has been the the cancellation of our spring soccer program, one of our largest programs that we Mm -hmm. offer. Uh, So we're actually looking to introduce a league during the summer, an indoor league, uh, something that we've never done before, uh, in in hopes that it will provide kids the opportunity to play if those guidelines and restrictions allow us to, to be able to do that. We'll continue to grow our virtual experiences. Uh, That's something that we will continue to expand uh, in in moving forward, not only with the summer, but the fall, looking at the the ways that we can uh, do that. So we have a number of things that we're doing right now to still plan for those fun summer activities. They just may look a little bit different than what they have in the past. Uh, And we certainly encourage residents to to register for those programs and events. Um, Our summer registration is coming up. Normally, that takes place at the end of April, but that's now going to move to May 18th. Residents can expect to see our summer program guide in May. Uh, Normally, that arrives on your doorstep. We are going to go with just a virtual guide this year. Uh, So it will be available digitally in uh, mid-May, and there will be more information coming out about that. So we (laughs) certainly encourage them to contact us if they have questions, and we'd be happy to uh, provide them with uh, the information that they need at uh, info at napervilleparks.org.
0: Well, Brad, we look forward to getting that virtual guide in May, you know, because everybody looks forward to the Naperville Park District Guide coming in. So thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for supporting both our physical health and our mental health, even to walk around the parks and see the wonderful landscaping that the Park District provides. It is is a source of comfort these days. So the Park District is playing a huge role. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you, and thank you for having me.
0: I'm joined by Aaron Brooks, and he's an attorney. Aaron, thanks for joining me.
4: Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, I'm really interested to know what your firm does and, and tell me a little bit of what you're doing now in this unprecedented times.
4: Sure. Um, well, I'm an attorney. Uh, I've been practicing law in Illinois for about 24 years, and I focus on uh, technology, privacy, and security matters. Wow. Uh, so Generally, I represent um, software developers and other entities who have to deal with highly sensitive information. Uh, I I do a lot of work with um, healthcare providers and health information technology companies. So right now, you can imagine, we're getting a lot of questions about medical privacy and also about telehealth, uh, which is technology that uh, doctors can use to see patients remotely.
0: How should healthcare providers be thinking about COVID-19 when talking with the media?
4: That's a good question and uh, a lot of providers are getting questions from sure. the media. Obviously, this is something that the public um, has a, a lot of concern about and, and wants to stay up to date on. So a few rules of thumb. Um, first of all, it, it's a very good rule of thumb for any medical provider to not talk to media about specific patient information unless they have that, that patient's authorization. Um, and, and so for hospitals, for example, most people, most of their workforce shouldn't be talking to the media at all and they should try to channel those communications to a few people that are um, authorized to talk to the media. That way the message is consistent and clear and and correct most importantly. Um, There's a couple of special rules that the federal government has uh, issued uh, to get us through the the public health emergency. Um, So first of all, they have made it clear that when the media uh, calls a hospital or healthcare provider and asks for a patient by name um, so if they already know that they're interested in a specific patient and name that person, then the hospital can uh, tell them information from their facility directory. So when you check into a hospital, you you have the option uh, to either be in the facility directory or not. And if you don't opt out, then then you're in the facility directory, and a hospital can tell the media that you're there. And they can also uh, give basic information about your condition. so they can say you're critical or you're stable. Uh, but really, um, nothing else the the other question that comes up a lot is um, there, there's an exception and they have a privacy rule that talks about um, disclosing information when it's necessary to prevent a serious and imminent threat to the health and safety of the public and so that that is actually uh, coming into play right now and so I, I've seen you know some hospitals feel compelled to make a, a public um, media disclosure a press release when they have the the first, COVID-19 encounter in their healthcare facility. And, and the thought there is that um, where it's important for everybody to use social distances and distancing and comply with all of the other precautions that we're supposed to be doing right now. And when a hospital puts that press release out, it, it kind of um, tells the community, hey, um, you know, it's in our community now. So, so that ups the stakes. And I, I think that's a legitimate uh, disclosure for a hospital to make. But otherwise, beyond those things, uh, healthcare providers should be referring, uh, sending all this information to the state and local public health authorities, and uh, then the media should talk to them.
0: Excellent information, very interesting. What should healthcare providers be thinking about when talking to first responders?
4: Sure, um, this is kind of a kind of an interesting one because first responders, and here we're talking about. 911 um, dispatchers, um, firefighters, police, um, a- ambulance, you know, EMTs, that that sort of thing. Um, they have to, uh, they will get dispatched and they have to go into areas where uh, there may be individuals who have uh, been tested positive. Mm-hmm. And So we don't want those, those people to be exposed to COVID-19 right. and we want them to know that they're heading into an area where they, they might. So hospitals can uh, tell them that, they can disclose that information, and that um, that is necessary for those individuals to protect themselves. Um, the federal guidance, to be honest with you, is, is a little confusing on this point. Uh, if you read through it, it, it says that healthcare providers can share this information with first responders, um, it says, on, on a per call basis. And so I'm, I'm not entirely sure what that means. And honestly, it, it, it's a little uh, disappointing. You, you would think that uh, we, we would want the hospitals and, the, and all the first responders to establish a common database and keep it up real time and share this information uh, regularly. But the, the federal guidance doesn't doesn't really seem to provide for that. So, you know, may, maybe we'll, we'll learn something, you know, from this whole thing and, and be ready for, you know, future similar situations.
0: True. I'm sure we're all learning a lot about what we should be doing a little bit better for the next situation. So, which, we hope, for sure. which we hope to avoid. Tell me, we're all many providers are utilizing telemedicine and you know helping us uh, with our medical needs remotely. Are there special things with this COVID-19 that they need to be thinking about differently?
4: There are. Uh, so both the, the state of Illinois and the federal government have issued uh, some uh, clarifications and some waivers of the normal rules that apply to telehealth. And, and so the idea here is uh, we, we don't want uh, patients to unnecessarily come into healthcare facilities um, that could expose them to COVID-19. And, and it certainly uh, very much increases the potential for exposure to our, our health care community. So telemedicine is really, really important in, in almost every case that, uh, that it can be done and it really should be done. Uh, so, so a couple of things that have happened. Um, first of all, the, the federal government has issued waivers for most of the uh, HIPAA privacy, security, and breach notification rules. Um, those don't apply to the rapid rollout of, of telehealth during, during the public emergency. So, so just as an example, in, in normal uh, conditions, when a healthcare provider is rolling out new health information technology, like a telehealth system, you would need uh, what they call a business associate agreement with the telehealth provider, which is a contract that requires that uh, technology company to abide by a lot of the federal uh, privacy and security restrictions that apply to healthcare providers. Well, those rules are waived right now that uh, you, you could think of that maybe as, as um, red tape that, mm-hmm. that we don't have time for right now. So the idea is let's just get the system um, rolled out. Uh, the, the federal government has also issued um, clarifications about the kind of technology that medical providers can use to provide telehealth services. Um, so, for example, they've said that any technology that is non-public facing is okay. And what that means is, um, you know, Zoom Health, for example, is a, that's a, a division of Zoom that's uh, special for healthcare providers. Um, that's not a public facing platform. It's designed for person to person communication. Um, but Facebook Live, for example, is, is a public facing platform. Mm-hmm. And so healthcare providers can't use that. Um, but a, a doctor, for example, could use um, her phone and you know use Apple FaceTime to talk to a, a patient uh, and and use it just like a, a regular um, office visit. the The other major change that's been made or uh, the the major waiver that we have is the location where telehealth medicine services can be provided. So, so normally, uh, in, in order uh, for a, um, a, a doctor to have a telehealth uh, clinical encounter and bill for it under the Medicare rules, it would have to happen in an in a approved location, for example, a rule. physician office, but now it it can happen anywhere. So doctors can have um, uh, office visits with their patients when their patients are at home, just using the built-in technology in their phones. So it's it's really, uh, really smart, uh, really uh, nice program to have in place right now.
0: Well, there's a lot there that I I didn't know um, when it comes to telehealth. And now, I think that some of the telehealth stuff and some of the innovation that we've done during this this difficult time, who's going to stay with us? If telemedicine continues, um, what do we need to be thinking about it when we get back to a more normal life? What else? What sure,
4: that's we- a great question. Yeah. And, and we're seeing that all across the board, you know, even the kind of thing that we're doing right now, mm-hmm. you know, we're all getting used to this, um, you know, kind of remote video communication. I, I think it's all going to stay with us and it's going to make us a lot more nimble, you know, as, as a society. And, and that's true for medical professionals as well. Telehealth is definitely something that we want to see expanding. It's, it's more efficient for the um, healthcare provider, and, and it's more convenient for the patient. So we'd, we'd really like to see it uh, continue. And what, what healthcare providers should really keep in mind now is that even though we have all these waivers in place to, to get this rolled out very quickly, you know, and, and kind of eliminating the red tape, when we do return to normal, you know, that that red tape is going to come back. And, and it's important, you know, we, we say red tape as, as though it's not important, but, you know, these regulations are important, you know, so for example, we, we want our telemedicine system to be secure, and, and we want the privacy rules to apply, uh, and, and we want to know that our health information is protected. So what what a healthcare provider should be thinking now is, um, yes, I I rolled out this system rapidly so that we can see our patients during the emergency, but that doesn't mean that I can continue to use it uh, without following regulations uh, when we return to normal. So very important for providers to be thinking about, uh, we do need to circle back and get the paperwork in order. We need to get those business associate agreements signed, we need to do security risk assessments, and uh, you know we need to make sure that we're we're following all the Medicare and Medicaid and, and HIPAA privacy rules that that normally apply to telehealth.
0: That makes perfect sense. That I didn't stop to think about all the the red tape that we we are skipping over, and now we we're going to have to go back and get it together. And it's for protection for everything. Wow, there's a there's a lot involved in the in the world that you practice in. And you know I, I really thank you for being available today to explain some of these things because it applies to all that we are, whether you're in the healthcare profession or you're a patient. So
4: it, you- it really does. And, and I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to share some of this information. I, I hope it uh, helps some of your viewers.
0: Well, I think it will. And I think you provided an excellent um, awareness and and also you know contact with somebody who is a professional and and a practicing attorney in this should we have some needs and questions so thank you so much for joining me on business connection please be well and uh we hope to see you again
4: thank Thank you liz
0: take care